Hi, you're listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith and life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. This podcast digs in to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Hello, coming to you live from the catacombs of Damascus Road. <laughs> Church First of talk. all, we're not live. We're not just in catacombs. Kidding. and It used we're to be just, Damascus Road. I know, That's yeah, nice. we're in, uh, but it feels like it sometimes that we're in the catacombs, uh, kind of buried back here in the Boggy Talk studios. But hey, thanks for tuning in to Boggy Talk. Hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah, we're just excited today because we have some very special guests. We have Alec Ammons, uh, student minister here at Church on Bayshore, and Lucas Homer, our kids Ooh. minister here uh, at Church on Bayshore and also not special, but special James Ross, <laughs> not special, pastor, but special not special guest, but a special person. Uh, yeah. And Isn't that were, whenever we did the climate survey for our staff and then you were asked to describe me, you guys said not special, but special. Is it better to be special or extra? I don't know. Ooh, it's better to be special there in my go. opinion. Yeah, Cause extras, you're just, yeah, you're just, you're so extra. Require so much. Mm, so I guess thrown away around in my house all the time yeah you're so sure. extra you're yeah so about extra. each other that's which is like the christian way of insulting each other <laughs> yeah. right like the yeah. modern christian extra way. and mid we get mid a lot oh see, yeah, see so i don't mid. have a team i don't you're have so a high mid. schooler that's yet. Like that is, the way you're saying that you're that's coming to our home as well bet? yeah you're so bet. mid bet bet i'm not i just slap in all right yeah you want to bet yeah that's right let me show you what that meant back when i was a kid uh we're showing how much we understand about young people which is why we have them on here today that's exactly right so you guys are still young have been that's right i mean for just a little bit longer you are but it's funny because you guys are you know in your 20s but to our students you seem very old uh prehistoric that's right honestly yes kids have no concept of age that's so true like if you ask a kid how old do you think i am they're like 17 no 70 no 300 <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> it's my no favorite son. game to play with our students <laughs> right yeah so justin yeah why are alec and lucas here with us today uh, other than the fact that we, we like them have been uh on sundays uh in a study of galatians about the gospel and we've talked about things that can pull us away from the centrality of the gospel and we've talked about <laughs> liberalism and lawlessness and today we're talking about progressivism and we are having lucas and alec here not because they are recovering <laughs> progressives but because uh they're very familiar with, uh, I guess, really with the progressive uh, culture that they've grown up in and also just having, you know, not too far removed from, from college themselves. And they both work with our next generation uh, ministries, our student ministry, our high schoolers and middle schoolers and our students uh, and, our, and our kids who really are growing up in a culture uh, in, that is pushing what we would call a progressive agenda. Mm -hmm. So uh, we wanted to get their opinion, their take on some things and kind of uh, how to talk about this as families, how to talk about this as a faith family and really uh, what to look out for. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. good. Is that good enough? I I think that's adequate. That's adequate reasoning. (laughs) Bet, you know, I think that's uh, (laughs) for sure. Um, I think that you know, I remember being a young man like you guys once uh, upon a time. And, uh, 
you know, I think in each of us, and I think this is a little healthy, if you don't have this kind of questioning conservative values and the status quo, um, you're probably not like really maturing. Um, but also you realize a lot of people your age kind of go full on, uh, even within the context of the church and Christianity. And, and so I think you guys are still uh, in proximity to people who are more uh, sympathetic to that. And I think it'd be good to have you guys chime in. And these things are shifting so quickly, Definitely. you know, so I think it would be good to hear uh, from you guys as we talk about this. So, uh, Pastor Justin, uh, you know, um, what, what are we talking about when we're talking about lawlessness and progressivism and all that? So stuff? I think that's a great question because it's important to define uh, what we're talking about because definitions matter. If you'll remember hmm. from the sermon two weeks oh, ago, man, you definitions matter, you motivations matter. <laughs> oh uh, man. That's, you know, Keep I listen sometimes yeah. and uh, <laughs> I mean, I hear it three times. That takes lots. Yeah, of that's stuff. true. That's a good point. Uh, but, uh, oh, I, I just lost my note, but progressivism <laughs> basically is, so what I want to say too, progressivism yeah, what is in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing because right. progressivism is the ideal that things can be better. That the status quo is right. status quo is not the best it can be. So how this gets played out in our culture is usually through types of social reform. I think when most people hear, and especially in the church, hear the word progressive, what we're really talking about is a liberalism. That's right. what gets talked about in, in politics. And so uh, that would be, you know, when you think liberalism, uh, you know, in the culture, uh, you would we would be talking about um, being uh, affirming of all LGBTQ plus uh, lifestyles, um, abortion, uh, you know, full full support of that. Those are some of the political issues. And within the church, liberalism would be. Uh, the, the Bible isn't necessarily all true. Uh, some of it's just the, the message may be true, but the words may not be. You get some of these. There, there is no absolute truth that can creep into the church. So we want to understand that progressive thought isn't always bad, but when it takes the form of liberalism, we want to be very careful. And so... Um, well, you're doing a good job here because... You realize I can tell because I know you now, just even as you're saying it, like there are so many things people think yeah. whenever you're saying these words. Yes. So like, and, and you run the risk of like, you want, and, and as a Christian, you want people to know the truth. Right. And the culture we live in right now is such a, we, we need conversations, but we want sound bites. And so people attach themselves to one thing you say. And so you have yeah. to be so careful in everything you say, or all of a sudden you're a bigot and I'm not listening to right. you. Uh, so, uh, that's the world you guys live in. Uh, that's why we haven't said anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. You don't want to be canceled. Yeah, no. So, so no sound I, bites. I, I do think it's important like progressivism, you said this is okay, is fine. Like it's good that to we want pro things to be better. It's good in America that we progress past thinking black people were one third of a person. Exactly. I think that's a good progression. When when you guys, the right yeah, to okay. go. That's progress. That's the council good. has spoken here. Yes. Yeah. So is, these are good things. So, so, and you know, but when we're talking about this today, we're more so talking about, you know, the context of Galatians, Christians who believe the gospel, then Christians who feel like the gospel is restrictive. So they're starting to walk away from the gospel because really th they're saying, Hey, I'm not, I'm not Jesus dying for me on the cross. Isn't enough for me to base my life on. So one of the manifestations of walking away from that into lawlessness, which is really liberalism is this progressivism where we then begin to feel like we are validated because we've become very free thinking people. And so now, and then we have churches like this. Ours is not this, even though there's other struggles, but we have churches like this, that the litmus test of your righteousness becomes, we are these inclusive, accepting, 
uh, non-restrictive, non-legalistic people, and you've created another gospel. So, so we're really talking more about how the church is becoming like this than we are about culture today. Correct. correct? Yeah. Okay. All right. Sweet. So, should we start asking them questions? Let's ask them some questions. Okay. Let's see how they do. Sound bite time. Come on. That's right. <laughs> Please tweet this. So, I would just start with how have you guys uh, both uh, sensed this or maybe even felt this pressure uh, given the context mm. maybe you grew up with in mm. school and mm. college? Did you feel this pressure or, or even with your peer groups? Uh, you have friends who now have maybe drifted this way. And, and what have you done? Yeah. You want to go first? Sure. Um, <laughs> so my uh, context would really be in college. Um, I was in the religious studies program. And this, um, uh, where did you go to college? This is a. Oh, I went to MTSU. Yes. Um, so in what does that stand for? Middle Tennessee State <laughs> University. Okay. So, so this is a, not a not, not a, a religious school, not a Christian yeah, school. There's no affiliation. State anything. university. Yes. You went to one of those. Yes. Kidding. One of those. <laughs> um, and so the program wasn't faith based at all. We were learning about all different kinds of religions and all different kinds of theologians and academics that had all these opinions on what religion meant and what the if is it true is it not true what do we use it for um and so a lot of the people that were in my classes you would think oh religious studies there's religious people and it was not that it was mm. like very few actually claim to be a part of a religion most mm -hmm. people were there to study this question of why do people run to religion mm. like why do mm. people use that as a crutch mm. okay. as opposed to like people actually practicing yeah and so in those classes were a lot of like progressive people that were looking for like th these answers of like, why are religious people? So like sticklers about all this stuff, right. why can't they just love everybody? Why can't we just accept everything? And so mm -hmm. trying to understand those questions. And so I was in classes with tons of people that did not believe what I believed and did not like that. I believed what I believed. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of pressure to, for, on me that I really just chose. There were a lot of times that I chose not to speak up about mm. just different mm. things. And so, um, that was kind of my context of like being surrounded by people that were, had mm -hmm. lots of friends mm -hmm. in my classes that were gay and that were a part of the LGBT and that were, um, just thought and you forgot the Q plus Q plus. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, and just like that, just thought and practice their lives a lot differently than I would. So mm -hmm. I just got to observe a lot of that in my circles and in all my classes. Mm -hmm. did, did you, so you feel like, obviously you grew, you grew up a lot more conservative. Actually, all of you guys grew up a lot more conservative than I did, but do you, did you kind of feel this social pressure that like, you don't fit in if you don't trend in this way as well? A little bit because the conversations that they were having were about like volunteering at the Pride March and the Murfreesboro and just have going out on the weekends with their friends and like voting seasons and mm -hmm. all this stuff. Like these were the conversations that were happening that I had to be a part of because mm -hmm. these are the people that I was in all of my classes mm -hmm. with. And it was one of those that like it was either speak up and say something different or but, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Because they were also talking about people that lived like I did in a negative yeah. connotation. And so there was a lot of me observing from the outside mm -hmm. that like, oh, I could speak up about this, but this is this is not going mm -hmm. to earn me any favors in conversations. So it sounds like you stood your ground pretty well. Mm -hmm. Have you guys seen friends that haven't fared as well in standing their ground there? Yeah, I would say um, I have some mentors from the college that I went to, uh, people that I worked with. Um, I was 
employed by them who you were at a Christian college. I was at a Christian college. Yes. Um, and they have just in the past couple of months, um, it's interesting. One mentor moved to California to speak out against this kind of stuff as a missionary. And then the other mentor, um, has moved kind of well to the other side, Mm. uh, more progressive. Mm. And it's just kind of interesting to, as you look back and be like, man, where, where was that as he was speaking into my life? And, Mm. uh, is there any of that that has, like that I missed. Mm, um, mm. So that's, that's been an interesting thing that I've just walked through over the past couple of, mm-hmm. of, of months. Mm-hmm. So th- th- you're, this is boggy talk. So we give a lot of opinions um, <laughs> and sometimes it makes things muddy and you're welcome to do that from your, op- in your opinions and perspective, you know, what do you think the appeal is or the draw is in that direction amongst young people now? And we can talk more about what we've seen over the last, you know, ancient times since yes, we've been alive. Our prehistoric yeah, days. Yeah. <laughs> I would just say, I think one of the biggest draws is a emphasis on acceptance Mm -hmm. and um, especially for uh, people even that are in this culture even more than I am. It's how can you you're in much closer contact with people who believe those things or are walking in a way of life uh, in a more progressive way of life. And so you're experiencing something that is you are you're having on a more day to day basis reconcile your beliefs with your everyday experience. Mm. And uh, I think that's a real challenge for young Mm. people, especially Mm. as the church doesn't or hasn't in the past, uh, big C church spoken out of how we can uh, be involved Mm. in, in, and do life with those people and love Mm. on those people uh, without affirming their um, beliefs. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I would say it's, it's a struggle of like, self-denial like Mm. i think that's a big thing um like as life has gotten easier which i mean in some ways it hasn't gotten easier but we don't face the same struggles that people a hundred years ago faced right so like we've seen it in our parents generation and the good old days when people died in their 40s (laughs) (laughs) we have more choices and we have more freedoms and so why would we do right that's great man that's great not that's great i mean that's great insight yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. and so it's like who am i to tell somebody that how they want to live their life and how Mm. they want to love and how they want to vote Mm. and how they want to support somebody Mm. is wrong and Mm. that's the big question that like it it's hard to answer unless you have this religious connection to say, right. I have something bigger than me, right, a lot yeah. bigger than all of us that mm-hmm. I trust to tell me what's right and what's mm-hmm. wrong. And it's not just me because I don't know what's right and what's wrong half mm-hmm. the time anyway. So mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to not be the driver, mm-hmm. and especially in this day and age where like we have so many choices yeah. and we have mm-hmm. so much freedom to do and whatever we mm-hmm. want. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what you're saying is so good. And I think we forget just how where we are and we mm-hmm. look back. I remember, you know, what you're talking about, this this pressure to accept. I think that the the, the pressure to be accepting isn't isn't new, but I think what is new is now when you're not quote unquote accepting is that you're labeled as someone who hates. Right. Whereas before you would just be, well, you're someone who doesn't agree. Uh now you're now you hate me mm-hmm. because you're not a mm-hmm. I mean, it really is this shift away from you know, acceptance of universal truth or absolute mm-hmm. truth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in, in college, you know, I went to a school that was not a Christian school, but it had a, a heavy Christian influence in the student body. And my, my freshman year of my comp, uh, you know, a writing professor, she was probably the definition of what, I mean, uh, uh, of liberal, I mean, just everything you could think of. 
And one of our assignments was writing a paper on whether or not gay marriage should be legalized. Mm. This was that was this was the height of it. And she said from day one. And for those of you who believe in the Bible, you cannot use the Bible as a reason for your for whatever you decide. Mm -hmm. And I remember being so challenged in Mm -hmm. that class to Mm -hmm. think outside of forced to think outside of what I believe is absolute truth. And I remember it was one of those crisis of faith uh, moments for me because I was like, well, I know what I should. And my, my flesh was like, I'm just going to write a paper that says it's okay because I just want an easy A mm-hmm. because um, I think that's what she'll do. And I, but I ultimately, I was like, I could not get settled in that mm-hmm. and I couldn't do it. And so I had to do a lot of digging to really come up with the, that could, you know, the, the research side of it that, you know, to prove the stance and ultimately got a great grade on it. And she, we had a great conversation about it and she, and I was like, wow. She's, I had to lay aside some of my assumptions of her as a professor because she treated me with respect, which I wasn't expecting. And I think that's a two-way street we've got to work on. But all I have to say, this shift away from absolute truth and especially for uh, students and kids now. So you are in the, in the business, in the ministry of equipping parents and equipping students in their faith. How do you address this? Because I don't think this is something that really was addressed when I was in student ministry as a student, because I don't think, I mean, it was a need, but we didn't know it was a need. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know it's a need now. How are you doing that? And how are, how would you counsel parents in this? Hey, let me, let me interject something yeah, real quick, on. just because I think we're, all that you guys are pointing out is something it's incredibly important. We live in a world that doesn't see absolute truth, but when we're talking about deserting the gospel within the church and Christianity, like we're talking about people yeah. who there is an appeal here to absolute truth, you know? And so the guys that, you know, and women that you're with in the class, like, you know, you can only show them what you believe and that's it. But the Christians who are walking into this, mm, that's good. Difference. It's kind of this drawback, like, but don't you see you're drifting from. So as you answer Justin's yeah. question, really think about that in mind, like Twofold, yeah. to Christians, you know, what are we saying to them specifically young Christians who are hearing the same things you're saying and probably more so. Yeah, I would say for the student ministry context, uh, working with parents is a huge part of it because they're the ones having the day-to-day conversations mm. with their students um, and wrestling with the, the hey, I'm on the car ride from, from school and I'm now my student is asking me this question that I don't necessarily feel equipped to answer. And so uh, providing parents those resources of, hey, here is, here is somebody who is speaking out on this, who's an mm. authority on this um, and, and can help show them, especially when you add in technology and all that, how they can mm-hmm. utilize or, mm-hmm. or what their student is experiencing on technology. Mm-hmm. Specifically for the the young people who are walking through this, it really is calling out that truth continually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know in our context, we uh, I'm constantly hearing from students like, hey, so I have this friend who believes this. How can I reconcile that with my own belief? And mm-hmm. uh, really, it is just a pointing back to scripture, to that absolute truth um, and and helping equip them on having those conversations. I mm-hmm. think that, that that's a huge role that the, that the church can play, especially as a student minister, is how can we encourage our students to have those conversations in a loving way? I think mm-hmm. one of the, the the two passages of scripture that kind of jump out as me as like something that you learn in kids ministry. And even if you uh, haven't grown up in church, you may know these like love thy neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And there's this idea of love that permeates through Christianity and helping our students see what that love actually means beyond themselves and their own desires or the desires mm-hmm. of their friends, mm-hmm. uh, I think is crucial of like redefining. Not it's not a redefinition; it's a reminder of the true mm-hmm. definition of love and mm-hmm. how uh, 
how our students can engage their peers with love. Mm-hmm. That is that is a love of the father mm-hmm. uh, and showing their peers who have different beliefs than they do, mm-hmm. uh, how they can love on them uh, and help point them back to Christ as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And from a kid's perspective, like kids, we're preparing them to enter into a world full of technology. They're, they're on the brink of it. They're, they're getting screen time. They're getting TV time. Some of it way too much, right? Some of it way too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for the most part, most of them don't have a cell phone yet. They don't have that unlimited access that they're mm-hmm. about to receive. Um, hopefully not about to receive, but we'll probably oh, they, receive. They, yeah, with some yeah. limits. <laughs> yeah. Unless they're last name yeah. for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the important part there is just building a foundation and making mm-hmm. the most of every minute. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, as adults, adults that come to faith later, right? Like your story a little bit, you have to do a lot of work to find that foundation and do a Mm -hmm. lot of work. Um, And how cool would it be if we can get our kids to do that and to Mm -hmm. just have this foundation? Because I mean, the big kids ministry saying is that our, our kids are being discipled every minute of Mm -hmm. every day. Who Mm -hmm. is doing it? Mm -hmm. Is it you? Is it the TV? Is it your teachers at school? Is it like what, who is doing the discipling? Mm-hmm. And so you just want to make sure that you have a good foundation that they can build on when they start to enter these yeah. conversations mm-hmm. where like kids really aren't fighting over what's right and what's wrong. I mean, right. they're fighting out because someone stole their toy yeah, or right, because right. <laughs> their parent told them to do something yeah. that they don't want to do. Um, whereas in middle school and high school, they're going to start having more of these conversations mm-hmm. of like, why don't you agree with me on this? Right, and yeah. so like them having this foundation, mm-hmm. even if they don't know the answers, because I don't expect them to know yeah. all the answers to all the questions that they're going to face. Cause I don't know all the answers. Right. To all yeah. The questions. yeah. yeah. It, they can come back to say, I don't know the answer to this, but I know that my foundation, like I know mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. God's word is true. I know that this is, mm-hmm. this is what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really the goal in kids ministry. And from, an adult Lucas uh, helping other Christians, Mm -hmm. I would say kind of just the big thing is you're not going to win people over by screaming at them Mm -hmm. and telling them that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I have still maintained really great friendships with a Mm -hmm. lot of the people in my religious studies classes that live Mm -hmm. their lives very differently than Mm me. Um, but because I was kind, because I engaged in conversation with them and I didn't just sit in a corner with my earphones in and didn't listen to any of them, I, I engaged in the conversations, even though we saw eye to eye or didn't always see eye to eye, like we are friends on social media mm-hmm. and we still keep up. And so they're getting to see what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. They're getting to see me sacrificing time yeah, to right. hang out with the church and mm-hmm. to go to conferences and to hang out with kids and do all this stuff. And so may not have changed any minds, but they're getting this insight and that they mm-hmm. have this connection. And it's because I didn't tell them that they were wrong, right. wrong all the time. And I right. didn't scream at them and I didn't cut them out of my life. It was because I was a friend and yeah. it's ministry is always going to happen best in the mm-hmm. context of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to start with that relationship mm-hmm. first for people that are struggling with mm-hmm. this draw to like, how do I mm-hmm. engage in the world, even though I believe differently than the world? Mm-hmm. It's like, just have this relationship and stand for what you believe mm-hmm. in that foundation. Yeah. Can I jump off something that you said? Because uh, every, every time uh, I'm on, I, every time I'm on, our knees talk, are all pretty close to each yeah, other. So be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to land on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but every time I'm on Boggy Talk, I feel like I talk about this. But you mentioned like your kid or your student is always being discipled by something. Right. And I think. When we talk about technology, particularly social media, um, you know, especially with the advent of like reels and TikTok, we talked about sound, sound bites earlier. 
Um, I think one of the biggest things is there's a reason why the people who are popular on platforms, they're called influencers. And it's uh, often because they are in an influential, they're an influential piece of your student or kids everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a huge piece as we talk about this, because um, frankly, like the largest influence out there, it, the, the most influencers do have that more progressive mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for a parent or student to actively be engaged uh, on not their own social media, yes, you should be careful, but, but on your student or your kids devices uh, is so crucial. So that way, mm-hmm. you know what they mm-hmm. are hearing day to day, because it, it's so important. That is mm-hmm. that a lot of times a kid or student is probably spending more time mm-hmm. scrolling through TikTok mm-hmm. than they are in God's word. And so we, we have to kind of levy what what is their biggest influence, especially when the uh, overwhelming majority of influence mm-hmm. on online is from that more progressive view. Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, trying to kind of wrap this up, because I know we got some questions we want to ask you guys, too. I think that, you know, a few things to consider is one, what Lucas said is so important, you know, in, in a place where there's freedom, there's going to be a continual draw to gratification of ourself. Right. And and we are, you know, in Romans one, when it's condemning the culture, it, it not only talks about those who are doing, you know, progressive liberal sexual things. It says those who approve them as well. And I think that we continually are drifting towards approving others because if we approve somebody's uh, just somebody's sexuality, then who's going to question how we spend our money. Right. And so like we want that same kind of freedom and we feel like if we offer that freedom to other people, there's this exchange, which that exchange really doesn't matter. It's about God. I, I think we need to understand, and we're talking a lot about young people, but a lot of adults are here too, yeah, and, and in the church. And more and more as our church grows, we see more and more of this culture coming, uh, just because the style of our church and the programs we offer. But you know, I, I've referenced this several times in this series, or will be. It's not true freedom and true love for a child to play in the road and to not tell them about the dangers that are coming. And I think when we live in a place where we create security and we create barriers, we can play in that road for a long time feeling free, but it still doesn't mean there's not an impending danger. Right. And I think we don't see judgment in our culture. And um, again, because we typically equate God's like love for us with how our life is going, we kind of forget that that car's coming of judgment, you know, and, and, um, And then on the other side, I would say like, just what Lucas said, you know, if we believe the gospel is powerful, we don't have to add our anger and our like trying to make people culturally acceptable to the gospel. We have to believe in the transformative power Mm -hmm. that if Jesus takes over their life, those things will come. And, and, and again, it doesn't mean we would never speak to someone who is liberal, if you want to use that word in some things that are in opposition to the Bible. But it also is the realization they may be struggling in sanctification through some of this for the rest of life, just like I'm struggling with some things at 40 years old, being a pastor as long as I have been like, and I think we have to believe in the power of the gospel and we cannot drift the other way in a progressive culture, just like a progressive culture can't drift away 
because we see legalism as a problem. So I don't know what else you guys want to yeah, say about that. Yeah, I think just coming back to, I mean, this whole, the series we're in is called Center, and it comes back to the gospel. And one of the things, you know, the differentiation to be made between it, engaging the culture, but then just engaging the church and those within the church who may drift away, it comes back to the gospel. It always comes back to the gospel. We never move on from the gospel and it comes back to, and I think this is why it's important that our student and kids ministries have such a huge emphasis on our students and kids having a foundation in the word. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so I think having a foundation in the scriptures, what they say, and, you know, moving towards uh, you, you, you even can have a knowledge of the scriptures and still drift this way. Uh, so another, uh, we just need people around us who are going to question us and the way we live. Uh, so community is a huge piece of this as well, who are going to hold us accountable to the truth. And there's going to be a tension for yeah. as long as you live. It's never going to yeah. be neat and, wrapped up tight and all that. So yeah. If and you're the people who ministry. think it's neat or try to, I think churches that try to make it neat or tight usually end up with a bunch of legalists, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. You're right. <laughs> uh, who are, who are judgmental because man, the standards are so much, and it's just a lot messier than that. So mm, yeah. Mm. All right. So question time. Uh, we asked you, we already, <laughs> asked, you already asked you a bunch of so, questions. Uh, more question time. More. Let's, let's move softer, to, softer yeah, questions. Softballs. Here we go. So, uh, but we do want to talk about student ministry and kids ministry. Yeah. And you guys have both just announced uh, camps for the summer for kids. Registration's open students. right now. Registration's open. Church on Bayshore.org <laughs> slash events. But why do we do camps? Because I mean, yeah, shouldn't what we do at the church just be enough and shouldn't we just, why do we got to do camp? <laughs> Go ahead. Tell us why we do. You're camps. a future camp staffer. A future? Or a past former camp staffer. Different. Right. Like, wait, 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 Former, former, former. Yeah, no, camp is just the greatest experience. <laughs> I love everything about camp. Um, and I've worked for summers of camp, worked with churches as they did camp. And I just think it is just, it's an incredible experience, not for the mountaintop experience for mm -hmm. kids to come and then to just never talk about Jesus again when they go home until mm -hmm. camp next year. But for <laughs> like, just it's, it, it really is just, it's a one-off experience where everything they do every second yeah. of the day is planned and is intentionally like faith is intentionally put into every aspect of it mm -hmm. from conversations at dinner and lunch and breakfast to the games that you play aren't just games. We can relate these back to the gospel to the relationships that you build in your Bible study groups and the work that you're doing. It's all, it, it just shows our kids just this, this incredible experience of they're building all these faith block. Uh, they're having all these incredible moments where they're learning so much because it's all day for five days, mm -hmm. but they're also just having a fun time while doing it. So it's showing them that like a faith can be fun and we're having this great experience and I'm learning all of these really cool things and that it doesn't just have to stop at camp. Like mm -hmm. we're trying to help them see like you can do faith throughout your day every day. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to just be a camp experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think student ministry, it's very similar to that uh, with the addition of part of our camp is doing missions uh, with uh, partnering with local uh, mission groups and churches to support a local community. And uh, I think that helps our students kind of break their bubble, especially in Niceville. It kind of helps show them that there is a world outside of Niceville um, and it, it helps them develop a heart. Uh, for service, uh, we intentionally ask like, Hey, if you're feeling a call to ministry through this, uh, so it helps us call out the called. Um, mm -hmm. but also I think kind of adding on to what you said, it helps our students in light of the conversation that we've had today, uh, 
have a space where they can, mm-hmm. where the entire intentionality is pointed towards Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can feel free to be, to talk about Jesus with their friends, mm-hmm. uh, because that is what you are there to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that and, and we really push our students after camp, not making it a mountaintop experience, but to, to press into that over uh, the next year until mm-hmm. we go back uh, and have that another experience where uh, it's kind of a reminder that this is not just uh, just a week, but this is our whole lives is, is dedicated towards worshiping God. Yeah. I think of the word immersion, like it's just mm-hmm. a week of being immersed, yeah. you know, in community. And, and, uh, and, and I think that you're right. If we don't have the other things in place when they get back, Absolutely. then it very likely could be just a mountaintop experience that doesn't stay. Um, so be warned about that. And you have those kids who that's why they go. And, you know, what are you going to do about, but history, history of the church. I mean, you know, last 40 years has shown how pivotal camp has been in a lot mm-hmm. of students Many. and children's uh, faith journey. So yeah. yeah, keep doing it guys. Sign I, know, up camp. I know you guys yeah. are super tired yeah. when you come back. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas is usually like beat red and it's, it's the best kind of time. It is so <laughs> exhausting, but it is so fun. Yeah, it really so is. Camp is the best. I, I agree. I love camp. So also I have four kids who will go to student camp this year. Yeah. So it's going to be a quiet week. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any other questions? There was one other, I thought there was one more question. What, yeah. is, what so. was the other question? Uh, well, let's get going with the game. Let's do it. All right. Do you guys have anything you want to say? About children's or student ministry? Oh, yeah, I know. Why should people serve in children's yes. ministry? Ooh, that's what it come was. on. Because we Come do on. need more people. We're growing. Yeah. Guys, yes. we so are growing. So many awesome. kids and it's so many super students. super exciting. There's 4 million of them. No, it feels like it does. Space. Absolutely. There um, are 300 plus on a Sunday yeah. that are under 18. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I mean, that's... Uh, God is good. We've been having about 1,000 people. Three out of 10 of those are under 18 years old, you know? So probably more, really. But isn't yeah. that incredible? It's amazing. It's You're responsible for that, guys. No pressure. Yeah. Don't mess so up. So fun. <laughs> we all mess up. It's, yeah. But, I would, but why yeah. surf? I think in student ministry, uh, a big need, and, and I think one of the biggest drivers of why uh, you should serve in student ministry is we have a unique opportunity to meet students relationally uh, and show up consistently um, and really be engaged in students' life week in and week out. Um, you know, in, in our culture, in our context, you don't know the the impact that having a consistent uh, touch point with a student uh, can have in the long term. I can think of uh, volunteers from when I was in student mm-hmm. ministry mm-hmm. Um, who just were there. And you may not have the most spiritually in-depth conversation. You may just play ping pong with them for 20 minutes, uh, but that makes such an, a, a huge difference. That time uh, and proximity with students uh, just has a huge kingdom impact. Students are a lot of fun too. Uh, you kind of get to be silly. Um, but you can also have great conversations with them. Um, and so that it, it's, it's a very relational ministry need. Um, and that's our, that's our huge need on Sunday nights and on Wednesday nights is more people who are excited about being relational with students, uh, and just getting to know them and kind of digging in, uh, with them and with their mess. So mm-hmm. that's, that's student ministry. Why you should serve. Please Why serve. should you serve in children instead of students? <laughs> <laughs> um, kids ministry is just incredible. Um, it can be very hard. And I tell people when, when they sign up, like kids ministry is really fun, but it's also really hard because kids can be hard sometimes, but, um, it's just really incredible to get to be a part of helping them build these foundation Mm -hmm. faith markers in their lives, like learning how to memorize scripture, learning how to, um, what does it mean that God is present? What does it mean that God is with us? Like answering our, our curriculum goes through big picture questions every month. 
And they're like deep questions that we get to just talk about as we go throughout the Bible um, and help our kids understand what does it mean that God is present and what does that mean for me? Mm. Not just like, Mm. how do I answer this question? Mm. But what does it mean at school and at home and with my friends Mm. and just helping them do that? And I think it's similar to student ministry. I mean, I still remember my third, fourth and fifth grade Sunday school teacher, Miss Joanne, and because she was one of the few kids in her group and like just the foundations that I learned and just how Mm. she taught me and invested Mm. in my life was just an impact that is unmatched Mm. in my life. Mm. That's great stuff. So serve folks. If you uh, want to know how to serve, go to our website, churchonbayshard.org slash serve. There's a form you can fill out and that will start the process. So do it. Yeah. I'll say, you know, Christy serves and my wife serves in student ministry and every Sunday she's just got something cool that the Lord's doing in the high school girls and, you know, senior girls i mean they're they're <laughs> they're awesome and like so difficult at the same time but it's just cool to hear like their hearts and then you know serving in fourth and fifth grade boys i'm telling you there's constantly wednesday nights that man tears are about to come to my eyes because the things those boys are saying and mm-hmm. we got some foster kids in there and not me personally but you know i it's just i'm like wow lord like you're letting me be a part of this it's just it's just cool man so get get off your whatever you want to use and, and <laughs> help. Tushy. Yeah. Get off your tush and, and serve. And then maybe you could sit down and talk, you know, so you yeah, can get back it, on your tush. Okay. All right. Can we move on? Cause that uh, yeah, was just absolutely. getting awkward. Yes, okay. All right. Okay. So tonight, today's whatever game, um, we're, I'm very competitive if you don't know this about me. Uh, and so, uh, I've coached Justin's kids. So in sports, he knows that. And we've talked about yeah. this before. Uh, so we're going to do a little competition. So I'm mm. going to say, you got to tell me the age of somebody at a certain period of time. You'll hear it. Whoever's closest gets three points. Second gets two. Last place gets one. And then we'll add them all up at the end. So I got 10 different people. Okay. So like, these are real people. These are. And how old they were. People. Yeah. I'll, 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 you'll, okay. you'll get the guess. You ready? Okay. okay. I'm so. All right. Here we go. The first. How old was Elvis Presley when he had his first hit? 22. Justin says 22. 20. 20 from Alec. 28. 28 from Lucas. So it was 18 oh, years wow. old. So Alec gets 18. three points. Justin Let's gets go. two. We almost said 18. Lucas I gets one, it. right? I, almost I was going to go 19. Okay. But yeah. You know, we've been talking about progressive culture, right? Mm. One of the most influential progressives uh, from a while back died. Uh, you know, I can't say because I don't know for sure if you'd figure out when he was born. Was John <laughs> Lennon from the Beatles. Mm. How old was John Lennon? Huge successful career when he was killed. How old was he? Oh, I have no idea. I'm not going to answer first. 38. No, 38 from Alec. 42. 42 I from Lucas. Oh, because, yeah. Uh, 35. 35 from Justin. He was 40 years oh, old. Wow. 40 years old. So you were 38? I was 38. He, I'm going to give you first place because you, you were lower. But closest without going over. It's pretty That's close. That's right. Yeah, this yeah. is the price is right. So I've come out did you say Lucas? Rules. I said 42. He said 42. Oh, I've so done. Can you believe he's only 40 and he accomplished all that in his life? That's crazy. That makes me feel bad. Mike Tyson. Do you guys know who Mike Tyson is? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Mike Tyson's punch out. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He was a boxer, became arguably the greatest boxer of all time for a short period of time. He's the best. And then, (laughs) nice, nice. Now he's got an acting career and all this stuff. But, you know, his career ended abruptly when he was, you know, convicted of a crime and went to prison for a long time. How old was he at that point? Oh, Lucas has to go first this time. Okay. Yeah. 38. 38? I'm going to go 
29. 29. 21. I was going to say 31. 31. He was 26 years no, old. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. No, I thought yeah, he was older. I'm pretty Poor sure guy. he won that again. Hey, yeah. Alec, you're so good at this. Yeah. I, he came in second uh, that time. Right? I, uh, yeah. Lucas, uh, Lucas and I are going to battle him Alec, Alec is cleaning house right <laughs> now. Right. How old was Mozart when he died? Uh, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. It's so fun. I, I should, know, I should Mozart know this. I, and I didn't about. know this in college when I had to know it for an exam. I mean, he pretty much um, lived his life, right? He got sick, you know, relatively young, but. Yeah. And I think everyone pictures him old because all the musicians at that time wore those like long white wigs. Mm, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say he was 40. 40. Only 40. 24. 24. 38. 38. He was 35. So Lucas wins that. Let's go. Way to go. You came in second, right, Justin? I think so. I, yes, I did. I absolutely came in second. <laughs> okay. I will, I will gladly take okay, last place. Man. On the okay, we got. All right, bring it in. Uh, bring it in a little more. How old is Selena Gomez right now? Oh, that's so confusing. 26. 26. Yeah, she's my, I think she's. I can't say 26, so I'll say 25. 25. 27. 27. She's 30 years old. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I pulled the Price is wow. Right move there. And <laughs> yes, you did. So Justin got three. I thought she was, was 26. Age. I was 26. And you were 27? Okay. Man, I was 25. Oh, I was 27. Oh, okay. I yeah. <laughs> okay, halfway through. Halfway through. That was like kind of the point. Alec $1. is well in the lead with 12 points. Oh. Justin is in second with 10 points. Ooh, that's close. close. And Lucas is bringing up the rear with eight points. But uh, it's anybody's game. Okay, yeah, you're you're game. better at many other things than guessing. <laughs> that's true. Ages. true. Michael Jordan, the basketball player, not Michael B. Jordan. Which, if you ever saw Space Jam 2 when Michael Jordan came in, that was great. There, there's a difference. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan, the basketball player. So only two sports questions. Oh, so you know, okay. Who I would say is the goat, but my kids would say I'm wrong. And, so. and they're wrong. Um, won his sixth NBA championship Unreal. in 1998. At what age? I was one years old. Yes. Um, so thankfully you are alive. For yep. one of the I, I, if I think back in my memory, we go 28. Oh, I was really about to say 28. 28 so we can combine our points and split. No, know, I want my that points. Work. Uh, <laughs> you gotta go 27 or 29. I'm going 29. 29. If you, you can't say 30. I mean, you can, but. <laughs> 27. 27. 27. He was 35. Oh, oh my one right. Yeah, you should have. Yeah. Born in 1960. I was thinking he did it earlier. So you won that, right? No, he Justin won that one. Oh, sorry. We, I think we just tied for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's not looking good. It's okay, but change of categories. It might work. How old was Billy Graham when he preached his first sermon? First, oh. there's gonna be a bonus point for this one. First sermon, like, are we counting like like in a church? church he's like, preaching. It was a legit okay. sermon. Oh, I've been to the Billy Graham Library. I should know this. You should know this. I think you got to go first. On yeah, this you, one too. since you've been there, you have to go first. You do. I think he was young. I think he was like seventeen. Seventeen. Okay. I was going to say 16. 16? Really? I was going to say 13. 13. Oh I'm, I'm going to... You said it already. Too late. Oh, okay. All right. Well. Lucas... I just wanted Lucas to win. <laughs> it was 19. 19. Mm, so, 19. Oh, okay. so Lucas gets three points for that one. Alec, two. Justin, one. Oh, okay. Man. All right. We got three more. Okay. You said there was a bonus point on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where did he preach that sermon? You could get three points if you like know the state city. or the city? city and state. Oh, gosh. One point for the state, three points for the city. I don't even know where he's from. Is that North Carolina? North Carolina. North okay, Carolina. Thanks for that. North Carolina is where he's from, but I don't know if that's where he preached. I'm going to go Winston-Salem, North Carolina. <laughs> okay. He's in, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to say California. Okay. You ready? Palatka, Florida. 
Palatka. Palatka. That's like a sign on I-75, yeah, right? <laughs> I don't even know if they have a sign on I-75. <laughs> it is a very... Palatka. Sorry, all our Palatkians. Yeah. I don't want to make any... Okay, Obama. Hmm. How old was he when he was elected president? Oh, he was the youngest. No, he JFK was young. I don't know. Some U.S. history person's like, I can't believe they don't know this. 42. I, I spe- majored speaking in Speaking of progressives, right? <laughs> 42? 45. 45? Uh, I think he was 40. 40. He was 47. No. Mm. He looked, Obama he was looked, the third youngest okay, president. Okay, he looked. So you got that right. He looked so much younger than that. And not when he exited the right? presidency, he looked a lot older. Okay. It's yeah. true. Presidency aged him. Yeah, I know. Anybody, but. So, yeah, the youngest president, do you know who it was? Wasn't JFK? I'll give you three bonus points if you get it and you're not Alec. <sighs> You better know a history major. I know. I feel terrible. You should, because I didn't know. Well, you shouldn't, because I didn't know Mozart. So, death. Yeah, you you guessed JFK. It's not JFK. Well, you can't guess the other forty like six presidents. (laughs) Not JFK. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. No idea. Uh, Probably like one of the first presidents, because they like all died. Yeah, I'll go Sam Adams. (laughs) Sam Adams. I have no idea. Okay. I I don't know. Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, then JFK. I dressed up as Teddy Roosevelt for a school thing one time. And I should have known missed that. It. Goodbye. And you s- okay, shame. Two more. Shame. How old was I when I first became a pastor? Lead pastor. <laughs> You've gotten a Thankfully, I'm not the pastor. I know my <laughs> this gives me great here. comfort that I'm not the pastor that like talks about my story every <laughs> single Sunday. So you guys like just have this memorized back in 19 when I was. <laughs> it's 2023. Back date. I'm going to go 20. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. I was gonna say twenty-six. Twenty-six. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. How dare you? Twenty-five. Oh, mm. I was almost at twenty-five. As but you get it earlier. You said twenty-four, right? You said twenty-four. Okay. Yes. How dare you? All right. Uh, let's see. We got one more question. Alec has five, eight, eleven, twelve, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen, no twenty-one. <laughs> Justin has five, six, eight, ten, thirteen, sixteen, eighteen. Ooh, so okay. Mm-hmm. And then Lucas, the, the president question. Do you want me to say? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm just playing. Uh, Lucas is having okay, a ton of fun. Winner takes it all. Here. This one, when t- Tim Allen <laughs> first started Ooh. Home Improvement, how old was he? And is that before or after the Santa Claus movies? I don't. I, I think, think it's, before. it's before. I think it's before. <laughs> but it's funny if you go back and actually watch that, he looks a lot older mm-hmm. now. I mean, like, yeah. Mm. He looked old then, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, he looked old then. But I'm going to say 41. 41? 31. 31. 32. 32. He was 38 years old. Let's go. Oh, wow. I go back and look at that and I'm like, I'm older than he In was then. So what did you say? You said 30. What? He, he, said 32. Oh, sorry. And you said 30, I up said 31. Oh, yeah. You won that one, Justin, but you still lost. I still lost the you game still of lost life, by so. two points. Man. Alec won. You're the Wait, winner, Alec. On the first what ever. Da, 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 da. Uh, you can have one of those Bibles that your yeah, uh, microphone is oh, okay. stacked Thank upon. You. That's right. Yes. Well, that was great. 
I think we're out of time. We're out of time. Hey, so it's <laughs> like, oh yeah, we got to end this now. Yeah. Hey, so um, hey, if you're we like, we just us never want the fun to stop, guys. Y'all should Wait, come on Buggy Talk it. more often. Yeah, it's good. That's it's just good, invite us. We're okay. there. Okay. <laughs> I know. I was actually <laughs> surprised you both showed up. <laughs> what were you doing last night? Oh, that was very Gen Z of you to both come. You're like, you're going, you're going. All right, we'll, we'll both. Come. <laughs> we coordinated, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Actually, Gen Z is more does their own thing. That was millennials who were like, who's going? Yeah, I'll let you know who's going to be there. Maybe, but hey, we do thank you for joining the conversation uh continue the conversation tune in next time thanks for listening to boggy talk we are so glad you joined in the conversation go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss a beat